Our Heavenly Father, as we bow here in your presence, Lord, I pray your blessings on each family that is here today and represented in some way. And I pray, Father, your protection on our church, that you would strengthen us, guide us. And Father, may you increase the church and build your church as you see fit. We thank you for this day. We thank you for all your many blessings, Father. We ask now that you open up your word to us and that we can be challenged from it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Why don't you all be seated? Now, I apologize ahead of time. I've still got this lingering cough, and um, I just want you to be aware of that so that uh, when I cough in your ears, you're going to, you may not like it, but I may not have a choice. Um, Looking back over your life, did you ever think that you'd be serving the Lord in the way that you are today? And what I mean by that is this. Some of you are Sunday school teachers or small group leaders or a worship team leader, you're on the worship team, or you're in jail ministry or prison ministry. Some of you work with the children. Some of you work with the youth. You're uh, group leaders. You maybe just are people that make yourselves available at work and school, and you're sharing your faith and ministering to people and witnessing for the Lord. However, whatever your your area of ministry may be, did you ever think that you'd be doing this? And as you look back at your life, how did God prepare you for it? As you look back, and it's usually by looking back that you discover this, you begin to see how God got you ready for this. He prepared you. He put you in this task, this role, if you would, and he's prepared you every step of the way. And if you look, you can see the hand of God at work. Now, what would, the question is this. What will you be doing five years from now? What area of ministry will you be in then? How will you be serving the Lord? How will you be ministering five years from now? And maybe it's something that you never imagined, never thought possible, never even dreamed of. And then the question is this, what is God doing today that's preparing you for that? Maybe you're going through a hard time right now. This could be good or bad, I mean a situation that's positive or negative. But in some way God may be preparing you for something yet in the future. Maybe your health is not what it should be. You've lost a loved one. Maybe you've lost a job. Maybe you've lost friendships or a marriage, whatever the case may be. Maybe God's doing positive things in your life where you're really being taught and you're learning and you're growing and whatever. But God is preparing you. So I I want you to stop. I want you to look at that. And I want you to see that. That even now in life, the things that you're going through, God is preparing you for still ministry yet to be seen and experienced, ministry yet to be done, something in the future. Because I don't think that we see that and recognize that as often as we should. In the story of Joshua that we started last week, we're going to be looking in the book of Joshua and looking at his life and the life of the Israelites and trying to draw applications to our lives here today. And this story of Joshua and the way that God worked with him is a perfect picture of how God prepares people for ministry, how he prepares people for the task that he's called them to. I want to show you a verse, or several verses, that uh, some of which we saw last week, but I want to begin back again with Joshua chapter 1 and look at the first two verses. It says here that after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. Now, it's kind of matter of fact, isn't it? He said, Moses is dead, and you're it. 
And you kind of get the idea that maybe Joshua was getting dumped on all of a sudden and he didn't know it. He didn't know what was going on. But as you're going to see today, that God had been preparing him for this all along. And Joseph is, um, Joshua just simply is stepping into the role of leading these people, his new area of ministry, if you will. And let me tell you something, that when he stepped into this, he stepped into it in a major way. And he fulfilled a task that is just unbelievable. It's one of the greatest stories in the Bible because it's all about victory. It's all about success. It's all about learning about God and growing with him and walking with him. And it's just a positive story of the story of Joshua. Let me read you this verse. It's it's really toward the end of the book. It's the last couple of verses in which this appears. And it sort of summarizes Joshua's life. Here's what it says. In Joshua 24, verse 31, Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had experienced everything the Lord had done for Israel. And notice what it's saying. Joshua did his job so well that Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua's life. And even the elders that followed him, that were under his leadership, Israel served the Lord during their lifetime too. Joshua did his job, and he did it very well. You know, over the years of ministry, I've known people that have come up to me, or they've made an appointment, and they'll come in and talk, and they'll say, Pastor, either they've gotten a bad report from the doctor, and they are looking at a possibility of shortening their life in some way, or maybe they're just getting older and they know that their days are numbered, but they'll come in and they'll, it'll be, the conversation will go something like this. Pastor, there was a time in life where I felt like God called me into the ministry. And I didn't go. I didn't do it. And man, I regret it so much now. The thing that didn't seem all that important to me at that time now is really weighing on my heart because I'm coming now to the end of my life and realize that I've not done what God would have me to do. And I have, I'm filled with regret. Or pastor, I, I had an opportunity when I was in, in this church years ago to be a Sunday school teacher and I, I just was too busy and I didn't want to do it and I didn't do it and I, I've always regretted that. Or they asked me to be on an, a deacon or something in the church or they asked me to head up a ministry and I didn't do it. And what I'm finding is that right now at this point in my life, at this time, I'm regretting that. Because I I should have done it, but I just didn't. I didn't have the courage or whatever, but I just didn't. Now today what I want to talk about is you in that role. You coming to the end of your life and having regrets because you didn't get involved. You didn't fulfill the role that God had for you. You weren't involved in ministry or serving in some capacity. Because i got to tell you something. There's a lot of Christians today, not only in this church, but other churches as well who are content to sit and do nothing. They're content with that, and they think for some reason that God really hasn't called them, really isn't luring them into ministry or drawing them into service in some way. And I don't believe that that's true, because I believe that God in some way, some area of ministry, calls all of his children to do that, to minister. There's a verse in Joshua chapter 24, again, the end of the the book, the last chapter. In verse 15, here's what it says. 
He says, but if serving the Lord, and this is Joshua talking to the leaders of the Israelites, as he prepares now, the, the, the land has been divided. They're going to disperse. They're going to live their lives. And this is what he's saying to them. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors, I'm sorry, the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Now here's the challenge, you know. He said, you guys, we're getting ready to disperse now. And he says, you're free to do what you want to in determining who you're going to serve. But let me tell you what I'm going to be doing. This is where I will be. I will be serving the Lord no matter what. And I hope that you will too. And that's his challenge to them. And you know what is my challenge to you? That somehow you begin to see that God is preparing you for ministry. God has a ministry for you. God, it may change or probably will change from time to time but that you will get involved and do what it is that God has called you to do. Now, here's the question. How did God prepare Joshua for ministry? What did he do to lure Joshua in or pull him in, prepare him for ministry? Because if he prepared Joshua for ministry, then chances are he's going to prepare you and me as well. And I believe that with all my heart, that God does that very thing. So let me give you two things that I I see as I look at the story in the beginning of the life of Joshua. How God prepared Joshua for ministry. Number one, God prepared Joshua for ministry very slowly. He did it very slowly. He didn't uh, rush things. He wasn't in a hurry. Joshua, as you look at his life and see how God ministered to him and dealt with him and what God did with him, you're going to see that Joshua was prepared for life, for ministry all of his life. Now let me give you a kind of a recap of what I'm talking about. Joshua was born into slavery. There in Egypt, he was born into a family that was slaves. That's all he had ever known. If you want to talk about bad situations, if you want to talk about a negative upbringing, if you want to talk about somebody that ought to be broken, somebody that has every excuse in the book not to be in service to God, then Joshua had it, just like all the rest of the the Hebrews had. I mean, we've been slaves 430 years. This is all we've ever known. So why would I want to? I mean, I'm a broken person. I have reasons not to serve. I have reasons not to minister. Surely God understands. But all of his life he was a slave and God used it. God used it in his life to make him into the man that he was. (coughs) Excuse me. You may not understand this or realize this. But Joshua was Moses' personal aid. Look at this verse in Numbers chapter 11, verse 28. Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' aide since youth, spoke up and said, Moses, my Lord, stop them. Now, I'm not going to give you the context of what's going on there. It's just that Moses needed an aide. And when he came back into Egypt after 40 years of being gone, somehow, at some point, somewhere, Joshua became his aide. And we're not really told the story behind that. We don't really know the circumstances. 
But let me just kind of take you through this, this life of preparation that God took him through. In Exodus 24, 13, it says in verse 13, Then Moses set out with Joshua his aide, and Moses went up on the mountain of God. Several times in the life of Moses when he was there, he would go up onto Mount Sinai with the Lord to meet the Lord there. And what we learn here is that there were times that he went and he took Joshua with him. Now, here's one of those things that we're not told a great deal of detail on. But what you're going to find is this, that there were times when Moses went up on the Mount of Mount Sinai and he would say to Aaron and the others, he said, you guys stay back here. But he took Joshua. I don't know how much Joshua saw or heard, whether he was in earshot of, of listening to God when he gave the Ten Commandments or was giving Moses instruction. But there was something about this process that prepared Joshua, Joshua for what was coming. And God is, in essence, preparing the man for what is about to happen. But it goes on in chapter 33 of Exodus, verse 11. It says that the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Now here's what it's talking about. There is a tent of meeting in Israel. It was a tent that was outside the camp. Uh, Some people think that it was the tabernacle. Some people think that it was a separate tent that God used just to meet with Moses. But here's what happened during that time. Moses would go into the tent to talk to God face to face, and the Bible says that the cloud that represented God's presence would come and surround and envelop the tent. Now, evidently, from what is said here, Joshua was there too. Because Moses got ready and got, he's, he's done, the, the, the conversation is over, he's heading back to camp, and the Bible says that Joshua wouldn't leave. Now guys, when you've been in the presence of God like that, you don't want to leave. There's something about this, there's something going on, there's something that Joshua is doing that the Bible doesn't really tell us a lot about. But every time that Moses is in the presence of God, it seems like Joshua is there too. And God is preparing this young man to take over. Later on, whenever they, it came time to send in the spies into the land, Joshua and Caleb went in with the other ten. Joshua and Caleb are the only two that gave a positive report. They said, yeah, we can take this. We can do it. Because God has already given it to us. And the others wouldn't agree. And you know the story of that, what took place. Every time, it seems like the experiences that Joshua went through, were preparing him to take over for Moses once Moses was done and God called him home. And every experience molded him into the man he was. Now here's the question, because this is the application part of this, okay? What are the experiences of life that you have gone through that God has used to prepare you? How has God prepared you? For the things that you've gone through, the things of ministry where you've been involved and the things that you are experiencing. How did God prepare you? As you look back over your life, maybe you can see those. Maybe you can see how God has done that very thing. God is always doing it. And here's the reason I'm telling you this. 
Because, like I said earlier, they are negative experiences and positive experiences. The things that we look at in life and we think to ourselves, now wait a minute, God, why would you do that to me? Why would you let that happen? Why would you take me through that? You know, why did I lose my spouse? Why did I lose my loved one? Why did I lose that job that I so desperately need or love? Why why did you let me or allow me to have a divorce? Why did my husband or wife leave me? And God can take the messes of your life, the bad and the good, and mold it all together through the experiences that you go through and prepare you for something yet in the future. And so many times the people that hurt the worst are the ones that God uses to be the best ministers and the best servants. And you've got to begin to see that. Because if you don't see the hand of God in your life now preparing you, then you're going to always be questioning, God, why me? Why did you let this happen to me? And what I want you to understand is that God many times prepares his people through the experiences of life. Excuse me. So God did this slowly over the whole lifetime of Joshua. He does that that way for you as well. God always gets you ready, and it may take a long time, and it takes some hard knocks, but he gets you ready. The problem is so often when you're ready, when God says it's time to step out now, we don't. And that brings me to the next point, that God did it slowly, but here's the second thing God did to prepare Joshua. He built up Joshua's confidence. He had to build up Joshua's confidence. Now listen to what I'm about to say. I hit on this about a month ago in a sermon. I didn't fully develop it, um, but I want you to listen carefully, okay? Let me read just three different verses here in chapter 1 of Joshua. It says in Joshua 1 verse 5, No one will be able to stand against you. Now this is the Lord talking to Joshua. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, he's in a fine line here, okay? Between God trying to build up the faith of this man and God trying to build up the confidence of this man. These are two different things. Let me finish these verses, then I'll tell you what I mean by that. In verse 6, he says, Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. You're going to do it. Now, I'm going to lead you there. I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to guard you in all these things. But make no mistake about it. You're the one that's going to step out and lead these people. That alone would be enough to scare me to death. In verse 9, here's what he says. He says, Have not I commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now, don't be afraid. Why would he tell him that? Because that's the very thing that he was struggling with. He had plenty of faith. Don't forget, he had seen the plagues of Egypt. He had seen all the things that God had done. He had seen how God had taking them uh, through the wilderness, all of these things. So what is he worried about? The same thing that you and I are worried about. You see, you and I have plenty of faith. We believe God can move mountains. 
Do you believe that God can be with you and go with you and take care of you wherever you go? Oh, absolutely. I believe that God could take care of a person and lead them into ministry and, and do great things and all of these things. Do you believe that God will do it for you, with you, to you? Well, no, I'm not too sure about that. I believe God can. I just don't know if He will for me. Because here's the problem, Pastor. I see my own weaknesses. I see my failures. I see my shortcomings. I see my sin. I see the brokenness. I see the background that I've grown up in. I see the kind of person that I am even to this day that nobody sees. So if you're asking me, do I believe that God's going to do great things for me? Mm, not too sure. Do I believe that God can do great things? Absolutely. But you see, when it comes to believing that He can do it for us, we falter. I am convinced that every Christian has a God-given desire to serve the Lord. I believe it with all my heart. I believe that God has placed in your heart a desire to serve Him. Every Christian I've ever talked to has that desire. But they struggle with fear. They're afraid that God won't do it for me. I have a desire, I don't know what to do, and I'm scared to death to try anything because God may not be there to help me, and he's gonna, I'm, I'm going to look like a fool doing it. And it's not so much, and here again, the fine line here, it's not so much the faith, because everybody has faith, but not everybody steps out. So what is lacking? To a large degree, it's confidence in me, that God can use me. Let me read you this verse. It's in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. You all know it. Here's what Paul says. Paul said, I can do all things. Or in this passage, it's new NIV. He says, I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. Now there's two parts to this verse. I'm going to do it through Him, Christ, who gives me strength. He guides me, He enables me, He empowers me, all of these things. He said, but make no mistake about it. I can do them. I'm doing it. God empowers me, but I'm the one that has to step out. God can call me, but I'm the one that has to answer. God can say to Joshua, Joshua, Moses is dead, and you're it, man. What do you think about this? I've got to say yes or no. I've never known a Christian yet that God picks up and forces to do something. God presents them the opportunity and everything that all promises and all these things, and they have to make this decision. And it always boils down to that very thing. It's a decision. So when people don't serve the Lord, I have to ask myself, what's the problem? Is the problem with God or is the problem with them? The problem is with them. They have a desire to serve because the Spirit of God is in them. They are scared to death because they don't think God can use them. See, them. Because they know themselves. And what God has to do is to build up your confidence. Now that sounds almost unbiblical, I know. But I'm not talking about pride. I'm talking about confidence that God can use what I have. Because so many of us look in the mirror and we think to ourselves, we don't have anything. Why would God want me? So yeah, I believe God can take men into ministry and 
make pastors of them. I believe that God can take men and women overseas and make missionaries of them. I believe that people can be in the church and serve the Lord teaching in some capacity or working with children or whatever for years and, and do a great job. But I'm, I don't know if God can do it for me because I know my failures and I know my weaknesses. Let me tell you this story. I may have told you this before, I don't know. I forget things. My wife and I were talking the other day. One of the good things about growing old is you can do the same things over and over and think they're new. You know, so, and if I tell you a story you've heard before, just say, oh, Pastor Dave, he's losing it, but that's okay. We like the stories anyway. So when I was growing up, in junior high school and high school, I was scared to death to speak in front of people. I can remember when um, we would be uh, have to give a book report. And sometimes you'd have to give those orally out in front of the class. I think they did it just to torture everybody. I don't know. But, you know, you're sweating bullets. You can't help. Oh, gosh, you are scared to death. I've got to get up there and talk about this book. And I, I don't know what to say. And I can't look at people and all this stuff. And people are going to think I'm crazy. And what if they ask me a question I can't answer? All of these things. I was that way through all of high school. If I was called upon in geometry class sometimes to go to the board and work out this problem, horrified, horrified. I'm talking sick at your stomach, horrified. Deb and I get married, and I'd gone to college for a year, come back, and we get married. One day, a friend of ours that I'd gone to high school with calls me up and he says this. He says, Dave, he said, I've... I want to share something with you. I want you to come over to the house on Tuesday night. He said, um, we are gotten involved in this business, and this would be a great thing for you to get involved in. You're going to make lots of money. Well, that caught my attention because I needed money. I just got married. Well, you know the story. You've probably been a part of that at some point in your life. You go over, and it's an Amway presentation. Ever been there? Yeah. Well, you know, let me tell you, Amway's good products. We we used them for years and all of that. But Deborah and I, we thought, well, golly, we like these people. We like the other people that are in this organization. So we're going to give it a try. So sure enough, we did. And part of the process of me being in this was that I had to learn how to present this to other people. And so I had to go to people's homes where someone else set up a meeting and present this whole thing to these people and try to entice them to get into this organization and so forth. And so I said, well, we'll, we'll try it. Man, I'm scared to death, but I like money. You know, so there's the, you know, greed was the motivation here, but I'll do it. And so I did. And I began to learn the, the spiel, you know, learn the technique, learn the presentation, how to answer questions. And all of a sudden, it's like looking at yourself in the mirror thinking, who are you? Because all of a sudden, I wasn't afraid to talk in front of people anymore. Now, see, we need to back up about a year, maybe two. Because during that time, I'd come to Christ. I'd gotten saved. I'd come to Jesus and put my faith in Jesus, and I had this, un, I don't know, this unsatisfiable, insatiable hunger to know the Word of God. And I had been studying, and God spoke, not audibly, but you know how it is, where this, this, there is this overwhelming desire 
in your heart that you can't explain and you really can't run away from. I wanted to teach it. I wanted to teach it. I wanted to tell other people about Jesus Christ because I had, I had found answers I never knew. But there, see, I was afraid because I, I'm like Moses, but Lord, I can't speak, you know. And what I learned, now watch, even though I wanted to go to Bible college, I thought, what is the use in going if you're not going to be able to use it because you're afraid to talk in front of people? I get involved with this little Amway thing on the side thinking, oh, it's just a way to make a few bucks. And God took that and showed me, you can talk in front of people. You just didn't know it. And all of a sudden, it wasn't the faith in God that was the problem. It never was the problem. My struggle was if, okay, I go get the education. What am I going to do with all this time and money spent? What am I going to do with it? Because I can't talk. And God built my confidence up because faith wasn't the issue. It was confidence in myself to say, yeah, you can. Don't you see this? And it wasn't too long after that I took off and went to Bible college. I didn't know that at the time, but looking back on it, I think to myself, you know, there are times in your life where there's milestones, significant things happen. And that was probably one of the more significant in my life because it showed me that a bumbling little foolish man like me, God could use. And he had to do it through a silly little company like Amway. But he did it. I don't know what God's going to use to show you, to convince you that God can use you. It may be that you just have to bite the bullet and you have to take the first step and you have to get involved. That's usually the way God shows you because you just, you just do it. But whatever it is, God's going to have to build your confidence because I'm going to tell you up front that for the majority of you, it's not your faith that's in question. It's not your faith that's the issue. It's your being convinced that God wants you. He needs you and he'll use you. You're not convinced yet. And so you continue to sit back there in the pews and you continue to make excuses and talk about how you can't do it, get somebody else. And all the time God's saying, maybe not, but I can prepare you. I can encourage you and I can convince you that I can use anybody. And guys, let me tell you something. When you learn that, there's no stopping you. When you learn, God can use you. You're not too broken. You're not too disgraceful. You're not too sinful. You're not too much of a failure for God to use. But you have to take your first step. You have to make an effort. Joshua, I'm going to use you. And here's what you're going to do. But, Joshua, you got to go do it. And he did. What a remarkable story. And to you, I say the same thing, that God can use you in a remarkable way. But you have to have the confidence as well as the faith. Very quickly, there are three things that I believe that Joshua learned through the process of God's preparation and through the process of the ministry that God called him to. There are three things that he learned. Now, guys, you've got to learn this, okay? 
If you can learn these things, and I don't mean just learn them that, hey, okay, yeah, I'll put that down on my notes, but you're convinced of it, okay? You, you think, okay, I'm convinced of these things, then believe me, there'll be no stopping you. Here's the first thing that, that, that Joshua had to be convinced of. Here it is. He had to be convinced that God is enough. God's all I need. God's enough. He had seen the ten plagues of Egypt. He had seen God bring a nation to its knees. Unbelievable what God did. He had seen the 40 years of wandering. He had been a part of it. He had seen how God had taken care of the the Israelites during that whole process and that whole thing. God took care of them and God guided them every step of the way. He saw it. Let me read you this verse. It's a verse that we've seen before. Um, I just want to draw it to your attention again. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. And here is uh, Moses talking to the people, and he's telling them about their history and what God did. Now, this is after the wandering, right before he dies, I believe. But he says this in verse 3. He said, talking about them wandering for 40 years, He, God, He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known. Here's the reason He did it. To teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, we sometimes misread that because we read that man lives on the Word of God thinking it's talking about Scripture. That's not it. In the King James, it says that man lives on every decree that comes out of the mouth of God. What he's saying is this, that your life doesn't consist of making money having food on the table, having clothes on your back. God took care of these people for 40 years. He wanted to do it for this reason, to teach you something. He wanted to teach you that the only thing you need is what I decree for you. I'm enough. I'm all you need. When Israel came out of the wandering for 40 years, they were convinced of that. There were no second guesses about going into the land. There was no second guesses about fighting the enemy. They were ready because they did it. They believed it. Here's the question. Do you believe that God is enough? Because you see, if you believe God's enough, then you'll minister. You'll serve. Because if God is enough, then God can take somebody like me. And God can use them. But if I don't believe that God is enough, then I'm going to flounder. So you've got to be convinced that God is enough. Here's the second thing that that, uh, Joshua learned that you've got to learn too. And that is that God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. Chapter 1, verse 6. Let's go back to that one for a moment. It says, Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Okay, now they were in the wilderness for, are in Egypt for 430 years. They are in, have been in the wilderness for 40. Um, from the time of Abraham, we'll add another couple of hundred. I'm thinking, I'm not sure how long that was. So you figure around 600 years have passed since God made a promise to Abraham that I'm going to bring you back into this land, give it to you. You're going to be a great nation and you're going to bless the world. Some 600 years. And so here stands Joshua on the bank of the Jordan River looking over into the promised land. And he realizes that the promise that God made 
to my people 600 years ago, I'm going to see it fulfilled. Because God keeps His promises. You see, we look at the things that God promises us in the Scripture like you did Joshua and so many others, you know. I'm never going to leave you. I'm going to always be there. I'll take care of you. I'm, I'm going to be who you want me to be and, and so forth and give you the strength and all this. And we're not real sure that he's going to do what he said he's going to do. You've got to be convinced that not only is God enough, but God's going to keep his promises. And sometimes that takes a while. It takes a while for God to show you that. I don't know what you're going through in life right now, okay? But you're going to learn that God keeps His promises. You're going to learn that He's always going to take care of that. He's not going to hang you out to dry. He's not going to go back on His Word. He's going to do it. Here's the third thing, real quick, and that is it's very closely related, but here it is, that God will always be there. He'll always be there. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, here's what Jesus said to the disciples as he is ascending into heaven. Here's what he says. He, in right in the middle of the Great Commission, that's what it is. He says, And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I'm going to be there. Always. I'll always be there for you. You take a step out. In faith, I'm going to be there for you. Why would I not be? You take a step to teach those kids in Sunday school and you're scared to death to do it. I'll be there. I'm all you need. You take a step to teach that Sunday school class or lead that group or whatever it is that God has laid upon your heart, but you're scared to death to do it. God's good. I'm going to be there for you. Why would I not be? Do you believe that? See, this is what it comes down to. Do you believe that? Do you believe, first of all, that God is enough? That that's all you need? Do you believe that God keeps His promises? And do you believe that God will always be there? If you say, yeah, I believe that, then why are you sitting still? Why are you not involved in ministry? Why are you not serving? Why are you not in some way doing what it is that God has laid upon your heart? Why are you making excuses? Why are you saying no to God? Why are you chasing after something that's not going to satisfy you? God says, what I decree for you is all you need. Do you believe that or not? I will take care of you. You and I have to believe that. We have to step out in faith. It takes the first step, guys. You have to step out first. I want to encourage you, we draw this thing to a close, and I know that I've gone over, but that you take the step. Where is it God wants you to serve? What is it? I mean, maybe it's just that you, you speak to somebody that God's laid on your heart at work or school or in the neighborhood or whatever. Then do it. Maybe it's an opportunity that's presented itself here at the church and you're making excuses, don't. Take the step and watch what God does. This is where your faith and your confidence grow. But you have to take that step. 
If you're here this morning and you are uncertain about your salvation, let me read you this verse. It's in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. Here's what it says. John says this. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. God wants you to know that you have eternal life. I have written this to you that you can know it. I don't want you second-guessing it. I don't want you wondering about it. I don't want you doubting it. I want you to know it. Guys, if you're here this morning and you don't know that you have eternal life, then God wants you to know it. It's very simple. God says that you're a sinner. We all are, but that Jesus died on the cross for you. And he paid the payment for your sin. And he turns to you and me and he says to us, put your faith in me, trust in me, believe in me, and I will give you the gift of eternal life. Will you do that this morning?